Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, Wrestling Wednesday. My guest today is Frank Jasper. Frank Jasper is also known as Brian Shute from the movie Vision Quest. There's not a wrestler alive who doesn't know this movie, and I'm really looking forward to talking to him, so let's bring him in. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, this is uh, crazy times, man, So, and I just moved. Oh, yeah, where did you move to? I moved to Coeur d'Alene. I'm Coeur d'Alene. I moved to Carmel, California. Okay, cool. Well, so, uh, where did you live before? I was living in Pacific Palisades, California, so okay. I was right there in L.A. Yeah. So between um, Santa Monica and Malibu. Okay. So cool. now I'm up in, in Northern California where Cal, you know, Carmel, Monterey, I'm sure you're familiar with that area or not. Uh, a little bit, not really, but um, what, what uh, made you decide to move? Did you, your business? Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's, we had wanted to move about, uh, well, <laughs> since 205, uh, we actually had a place, a really nice um, little duplex up here for six years, and we used to come up here for 10 years prior to that. And so we knew we wanted to move here. And so we sold our townhouse about uh, almost two years ago. Okay. And when we sold it, we were, our intention was, hey, let's move to Carmel. This is where we want to retire. This is where I want to finish. This is where I want to live when we're done working. So I wanted to come and establish a place. But we had some challenges. My wife's daughter passed. Oh, gosh. Um, so we kind of took some time there. And then our dog passed. And then coronavirus hit. And so we've just been on a, a setback, setback. But we finally just said, we're pulling the trigger. In the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> and we just got out of LA. This, you know, and they shut it down again. So, you know, it's it's been. Um, it, we found this beautiful place up here, and the, and the air is just amazing, and people are less stressed. Yeah, that's the two things why we, you know, we love the location, um, and because of those two other factors, that we we wanted to kind of make a change. How do you mean they're less stressed? Just uh, everyone's more laid back there. Yes, in, in L.A., you know, everybody thinks, oh, L.A. so, like, laid back, but no, it's like everybody's trying to get somewhere and get something, and anytime, you you know, it's it's different. Yeah. Because if somebody approaches you on the street, and you're thinking, like, okay, what do they want from me? And here, everybody's just like, hey, how you doing? You yeah. Know? Um, chatting up. They don't, they're not looking to try and sell you something or make a move or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, traffic here is you know nowhere close to what it is in la i think you know my wife is a psychologist spiritual counselor person um and one of the things she was getting is so many of her clients biggest stress were just logistics getting from here to there traffic getting back getting their kids moving them over you know yeah it's, it's not like that everybody's got time and you know can get to things you can get to everything here fairly quickly and yeah. it's just just not a, just not that crush of humanity here yeah i tell people all the time that uh the weather's enough reason to move here and the traffic's enough enough reason to move away because it, it can be super stressful so where are you located uh we live in lomita which is by torrance and redondo beach right right yeah yeah and i, I have actually landed in hermosa when i came here oh really California. okay you lived yeah, there for a while? Just off of Pier Avenue, I had a place. You know, okay. I just actually rented a couch, a futon, in a, like a one-bedroom, and I slept in the front room on the futon. I was an actor, you know, and so when I came here, 
It was just like, you know, minimal, 250 bucks a month, sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Little auditions. <laughs> well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. I started wrestling when I was about seven. And, nice. and my friend and I, Derek Lane, who's since passed, but we used to, every time State would come around, we would get Vision Quest and watch it again. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those movies that nobody who knows anything about wrestling hasn't seen it, you know. And, and I, I read something you said last night about it standing the test of time, and it, it sure has. You know, it's still... It still gets you fired up. Do you get uh, Do you get fired up at all when you hear the movie, the uh, song "Lunatic Fringe"? Oh yeah, every time. Yeah. So and <laughs> you know, and I have to say, even just uh, crazy for you when I hear it, just a flood of memories come in. Yeah. You know, because it just you know has been such a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, and it's it's given me as much as I feel like I've given you know given back. Yeah. So I you know I did this. Uh, where I moved and I became an actor and I was just here working and then, you know, I just got burnt out. So then I went back into healing arts and for the last 25 years, my wife and I have had a clinic in Pacific Palisades and that's all I've been doing until the 30th anniversary. And then I started getting requests and started doing appearances. And that's what kind of kicked off this next wave of reconnecting with the wrestling community. And so for the last five years, I've been as active as I possibly can. I, you know, I'm doing everything I, you know, possible to just reignite people, to get the word out there, to help promote it, you know, to help raise money for it. So, um, and the fact that now women of just this huge influx, I just feel like the growth right now is, is this is like a real cool time. And it's nothing like we've seen in the past. Like you just got 50% more women, you know, wrestlers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, participation in their families. Um, so I think it grew, I want to say 27 to 28% in just the last year Wow. because of the women and like three to 4% because of the men's. So I think that they've kind of pushed each other and it's been more activation because of that. So, yeah, my wife and I went to the uh, World Championships when they were in Vegas, and that was the first time I'd really ever watched women wrestle. And, man, they were great. They scrapped so hard, you know. Um, it was so fun to watch them. How did you end up uh, becoming Shoot? Because that was your first time acting, right? So, are we started now? Are we recording? Yeah, we're starting to record. Yeah. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay, so how did I start? Well, I was attending Eastern Washington University. I was the athletic trainer for the wrestling team. Um, and so uh, I was in the, uh, the wrestling room, and one of the wrestlers was in the movie as an extra. His name is Rick Thiefall. Um, he had been wrestling at Eastern and took that semester off because he got this role in, in Vision Quest. Um, as a wrestler and an extra, and he's in a lot of scenes. He's in the wrestling scenes. He's in the, he's in the classroom scenes. So we had this gig, and they were paying him to wrestle. Um, and so, any as you know, any college student is like looking to make some money. And so he didn't wrestle that season. He got you know went and worked in the movie. Well, he popped in to see what was happening in the wrestling room, and I was sitting there, and he started talking about the movie, and I said. Uh, you know, yeah, I heard that you're in the movie. And he said, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, they're paying me to wrestle. Hey, it's just amazing. You know, it's a lot of fun. He said, oh, by the way, they're still looking for somebody six foot tall, muscular build that can wrestle. And he goes, that's you. He says, you got to go. You got to check this out. 
And I was like, no, I'm just, I went back to reading my books and he just kept talking to me. And I, he finally says, no, no, just call her. She's really a casting agent. She's really cool. Just give her a call. And so um, I finally scheduled a time went to see her. I went in and I thought, well, okay, I, if I can make money, because I was paying for my own education at the time. If I can make enough money to, you know, finish up my college degree and I can see how a movie gets made and I'll just be an extra in this movie. That would be really cool, right? Yeah. So that was my thinking going in for the first audition. Well, as soon as I walked in there, she handed me sides, which are your lines for some scenes in a movie. Yeah. And she goes, okay, look these over and we'll uh, we'll go through this. And I was like, oh, man, Rick did not even <laughs> tell me this guy had lines. I probably would have, like, said no way, you know, because I had no experience. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we did the lines and, uh, you know, I messed up because uh, I, because I was nervous during the interview and she stopped me and she looked me in the eye and she just went, we're looking for intensity here. If you make a mistake, just continue on as if nothing happened. Got it. I was like, yeah, I got it. Okay. So like read the lines with her again. She goes, good, let's go. And so she called the director up and he says, she says he wants to see you. I was like, oh, okay. So we walked over to his office I walked in and he goes, okay, you know the lines. And he takes the sides out of my hands. And I was, I just had to trust that there was some kind of like, I because when you're reading something, you don't memorize it as well. Right. But somehow I got through that, you know, the reading lines with him. And he says, okay, let's see if you can wrestle. So then I had to go to the workouts where Cash Stone was, uh, you know, taking care of all the extras. And he was the one that says, yes, this guy can wrestle. I had to wrestle for him. So I went to a two-hour practice. Um, I hadn't wrestled in about three years because I was at Eastern Washington. Um, But just before I went to Eastern, I actually got to wrestle with the college team in Pasco. My, um, My little brother, who's two years younger than me, had a friend named Chris Blake that got a scholarship there. And so I was on unemployment at the time because they just shut down all the nuclear reactors. I was an iron worker uh, on the nuclear reactor plant down there in Tri okay. Cities. And so he said, well, like, if you're not doing anything, I, I really need somebody my weight. He weighed 190. Uh, he was a 190 weight pound um, wrestler. And so he said, I need somebody my weight that I can wrestle. So I just showed up to practice. So I, I wrestled with the team for that season. And then he ended up winning um, NJCAA. I think it's a it's a junior college national, you know, their championship. Right. He won at 190 pounds. Okay. Um. So I was really happy for him. But that was the last time that I wrestled. And then three years later, so I had to prove that I could still wrestle. Um. And Coach Cashstone was like, "Yeah, he can wrestle. That's good enough." After two hours of of just sweating and brawling in there, with these guys. Um, then I had uh, a couple more auditions where I had to read. Um, I came over. Uh, it was a final reading because the producers, um, Peter Goober and, and um, uh, God, what's the other guy's name? Is it John um, Peters? John Peters. Peter Goober and John Peters uh, were flying down with a wrestler that the, the L.A. Um, casting director had found. And that they had seen and they really liked. And the director had seen me and really liked me. So I had to prove to the producers that, that I was a better choice than this guy that they were bringing down who was, had acting background, who was a really good wrestler, and he was in great shape. Uh, his name was Frank Zagarino. Okay. So 
I came in and, and uh, well, uh, before I even walked into the office, John, uh, you know, Harold Becker comes out, meets me in the hallway, and he goes, okay, now when you come in there, I want you to be totally focused and so intense that nothing's going to take you off track. Got it? And he goes, smack. He hits me on the side of the face. And I just grins, grins my teeth and I go, got it. He goes, that's what I want. So then he goes back in there. <laughs> and then I come in with that attitude. And so I do the scene in front of this, uh, the, the director and the producers and the casting director from L.A. And uh, then we walk out and then she says, okay, now we got to go over to uh, where they're shooting uh, downtown L.A. or downtown Spokane um, because uh, Cash Stone still has to sign off on this guy to see whether he can wrestle or not. So we went on uh, where they were shooting, and they had a big mat already laid out there, and it was all lit up. And so they took a break from what they were shooting and came over, and the cast surrounded the mat. And Frank Zagarino and I got on the mat, and then – Cash Stone would call out different moves, and we went back and forth, and we re- had a basically had a wrestle off for the role. Oh yeah! And then after that, I sat there for about five ten minutes, and John Peters came up and he goes, "Okay, you got the role." Nice. And he says, "Now I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to bring it tight. I want you to look really aggressive. You know, yada yada yada." And that was the beginning of uh, of <laughs> my acting career, which. Even when I was shooting a movie, I, I just thought it was like, oh, okay, so I have a character. He's got a few lines. I, I had no idea that this was going to be this character that was so built up, you know, and that scene, you know, the iconic scene where I'm carrying the log and I'm walking up the stadium stairs. Um, to me, that just is just gives that character so much power and just credibility and you know, it hits that awe factor. And, yeah. Um, just a very cool scene. Yeah, that was the first scene that anybody got to see shoot, right? Right. It was just a huge buildup. And then you get to see this guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, my uh, my dad was always like, that log's styrofoam. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think it's styrofoam, but I was wondering how, how, uh, how heavy was that thing? So. It was uh, lightened up, but it wasn't styrofoam. So they somehow took a log and they kind of just lightened it up a bit because, you know, you shoot this scene over and over and you shoot it from a far angle, you shoot it from a close angle, you shoot it from their perspective and you have to do close-ups. And so you're there all day shooting this with this log. So, um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't uh, as heavy as it would have been if it had been full the hardest thing was that you have to reach behind your head yeah. here and put it up on your, you know, and then try and do a, you know, conversation with somebody. Um, I actually got to carry a log uh, last year in a, um, it was a, a fundraiser for World Wrestling Foundation in which I brought a log that this guy named Corey Scott created, which he has shoot training logs. So this guy creates these by hand, oh, cool. scrapes them, does it, puts ropes on the ends, these really cool logs. So we did a raffle uh, for that, and uh, Randy Couture actually bid on it, and and uh, so he won, um, and all that money got donated to wrestling. So that was one of the coolest things I've done lately with a log. Yeah. Every time I've seen that movie, I, I wondered, like, did you ever get close to falling on your face? Because like you said, you've got no, if you fall forward, you're just screwed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's luckily, I didn't have any problems with that, with the way, because when I was a, I was a bodybuilder, so you may or may not know, I was a bodybuilder, and when I got cast in the movie, I was weighing about 215 pounds. Okay. 
And so they were shooting in two and a half weeks. They had cast this rule twice before. Neither guy worked out. So they were really cutting it close. And they were, you know, the, you know, this big pressure to get this game cast. And so when I got the rule, then they, they basically said, you need to lose some weight to be closer to Matthew's weight. And I'm looking at this, <laughs> I'm looking at the script and going, 168 pounds. Are they, are they freaking crazy? <laughs> I haven't seen 168 in years, you know? Um, so I just, I just ripped it down and two and a half weeks, I lost 25 pounds. How did you do that? So, how did I do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a complete flip for me in regards to, I was in a bodybuilding mode, which meant that I was into power eating. I would eat at least six eggs for breakfast and pancakes and bacon and, and you know, a, a, at least a several platefuls of food for breakfast. I ate at the, at the university, you know, commons, you know, their food commons. Okay. So I just bought a season pass because it's all, all you can eat. So I was just powering out at every meal. And like my, my dinner would consist of five platefuls of food. Wow. I would do a plate of spaghetti. I do a plate of chicken breasts and thighs. I do a plate of spaghetti, chicken breasts and thighs, and then finish with a plate of spaghetti. And I didn't know what greens were. So, you know, those weren't part of my old program, <laughs> but I was gaining weight and I was lifting weight and I was training like three days on one day off. And it was like, you know, it was just all of my focus besides I had a, you know, I was taking pre-med. I was in the athletic training room. I had to put in 4,000 hours. And then I, as soon as I finished with my studies, I'd go to the gym and I would train until like 11 o'clock and then crash and get up at 6.30 and do it again. So that was where I was when I got cast. So what I went down to was egg whites for breakfast. And then I would have lunch um, and it would consist of a salad and a can of tuna and a squeeze of lemon. Okay. And that was my last meal of the day. And then I would get on an extra cycle and I would ride for an hour. A stationary bike. So I just, it absolutely catabolized my whole, I mean, I could feel at some, at one point that just my delts were just being broken down, you know, the, the protein. So for energy. Yeah. And they were just aching. So it's, it, and I got down to, I actually went into the human performance lab and did a water weight where you dunk underwater. And I was at 4% body fat Wow! at that time, which is not healthy. And it wasn't that way of losing weight is not healthy either. So one of my, um, my, uh, the things that I'm really focused on for the wrestling community is if you're going to drop weight, this is the way to do it. And I lay this out in my podcast. And I say, you got to start early. You got to take out the white foods, the junk foods, the pro-inflammatory foods. There's a safe way to do this. And you got to hit your mark uh, at least, you know, start two months out. You got to be stabilized two weeks before your first match. And then you want to be below your weight so you can eat and drink into every match. Yeah. That just makes sense, right? Yeah. So that was my big push there. Yeah, I, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, the premise of the movie is that Loudon loses a ton of weight, and and I'm glad to see that the sport is kind of getting away from that, because uh, when I was when I was wrestling, it was kind of like, you know, it's what everybody did, and we didn't do it in a healthy manner at all. Right. Um, you know, I wrestled for two years in college, and, and some of those guys would cut so much weight that it was just, it's part of the reason I didn't end up wrestling the last two years of my, of my career, and, and I, you know, looking back on it and all the student loans I had to pay just for two years of school. I, I wish I would have just sucked it up and done it. But 
Yeah. People don't realize how difficult it is to cut weight and to keep doing it and 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 all that stuff. Uh, are you glad to see that the sport's gotten away from it a little bit? Well, exactly. There's still some of it there, and that's why I, uh, whenever I do a podcast, this is one of the you know the primary focuses I try and make. I don't want to hear. I just don't want to hear when I go into this. A, a, was at an appearance up in Aptos last year, and this kid. It was a tournament, and this kid came up to me. And he goes, "Ah, I'm uh, I'm just really lightheaded." And I said, "What have you had to eat today?" He goes, "Oh, I've had like three almonds because you had to cut weight." And I was like, "I don't want to hear that, man. You know, I want you to do your work." Want you to eat and drink in. Want you to be at your 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 best. How can you do that and perform at a you know in a tournament? Expect to do three, four, or five matches and actually function at a high level. It's just not possible. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, there's been a trend, but there's still a lot of people that are still doing that. And at that same tournament, I still had a father come up to me and say, "God, my son just gassed out. We've been working on his cardio, and we thought we had it all together." I said, "Well." So what's his diet like? What did he eat? Oh, he didn't eat anything for breakfast before the It's like, listen, man, you can't do that. Yeah. He's doing fine with his cardio. You got to feed the body, you know, feed the body, feed the brain. Yeah. Now, if your brain doesn't have juice, you're going to not think, you're not going to react. You're just going to, you know, second and third rounds, you're dead anyway. Yeah. You, know, you have no yeah. endurance. So absolutely, we got to change this. This is, you know, everything has got to lean toward eating and drinking into every match. Yeah. What do you mean eating and drinking into it? Well, it means you have three pounds that you're not, you know, that you are, that you have so you can drink and hydrate. You can have a breakfast, you know, two hours before, and you're not worried about, oh, I'm stepping on the scale. Am I going to make weight? Yeah. So you've got three to five pounds that you're easily going to, you know, be able to consume some nutrients. Yeah. Um, my son's only two, and I don't know if he'll want to wrestle, but I, I'm definitely not going to let him cut weight. Just whatever he weighs is what he's going to wrestle. You know, unless you get to, like, the world-class level or, you know, maybe NCAs, there's no reason to, to do that. And now you can't cut that kind of weight in college because you'll get your butt kicked because it's like a two-hour weigh-in, you know. So right. when, I was in the, when I was in college, it was in the 90s, and, like, two kids died in a week, and that's when they changed all those rules. Um, because especially those 118-pounders, I mean, good Lord, they weighed like 145, and they would cut down to 118, you know, and it was just uh, crazy. So did you outweigh Loudon in that in those wrestling scenes? You know, I, I just, I, I really don't know how much he weighed. He's slightly taller. So uh, the ironic thing is I was sucking weight. I was, I was crashing. I was like cutting weight like <laughs> his character was, only it was me in real life. He was trying to put on weight. He was taking uh, uh, supplements, and he was working out with a trainer. He had a specific guy there that was helping him with his nutrition, and so he was doing everything he could to gain weight. And I was drop <laughs> weight. So I think that we ended up right around the same weight. I got to believe that he is about like that. Um, he looked great uh, in that scene where he's jumping rope right yeah. before he comes out. Yeah, know, had the spotlight over you know, over his head. You know, I think that he did a, a really good job considering he hadn't wrestled before this. And you know how long it takes to get your wrestling kind of kinesthetic awareness and know that which move you got to hit and a counter. And, and, and it takes at least a year or two. Yeah. You know, and he had to do it in six months. Yeah. Yeah. And we, when you, you know, I wrestled for 14 years, but when you haven't done it in a while and then you go back, you feel how rusty it is and it's all timing and, and all that stuff. So, 
Uh, I think that's hilarious that he was the one, you know, supposed to be cutting the weight, and it was actually the reverse. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's just a different... Um, there's uh, there's like ten there's like running you know, cardio but there's also wrestling cardio so it's like you know if you haven't wrestled in a while you have no cardio you have no endurance yeah so you just got to get back and you just got to get into wrestling or you got to get into running or you got to get into doing something that challenges that but wrestling has its own form of you know endurance that you have to attain after just through going you know just being on the mat and wrestling again yeah so you were what like 21 when you filmed that actually i was 26 and so was oh wow um, so was matthew nice and linda fiorentino was 27 okay so uh, but i had blonde hair had light skin and i looked pretty young so i don't think it was a stretch like sometimes people look like, boy, that doesn't look like a high school. Well, physique-wise, you're not going to meet too many guys with my physique in a high school level. You'll see them in college level. You know who Brucky is? Uh, CJ Brucky? I, I, uh, I don't know his uh, first name, but Brucky is, uh, I think he was at... Um, Princeton? Princeton. But okay. I think he moved. I think he transferred. Okay. So Brucky did a, a version. Their team did a version of the stadium scene. It's the best video version of it that I've seen and so Brucky played my character and I have to say like you know he looks like my character so you okay. know at a college level you're going to meet guys like that but probably not too many at the at the high school level yeah but you had wrestled before you wrestled you started in high school yeah I wrestled for three years in high school my senior year I did not wrestle I kind of wish I would have but um looking back it would have been really cool but I ended up um switching and going to tennis because in, in, in Coeur d'Alene you don't have any outdoor tennis courts or indoor tennis courts and it snows there during the winter so I had to travel with the college and you know North Idaho College which is right there in Coeur d'Alene I traveled with the team over to Spokane during the winter instead of wrestling to play with the team and I ended up getting a, a tennis scholarship to North Idaho College so awesome. I did well but I don't know if you know but North Idaho College is one of the top junior college wrestling um, colleges in the, in the nation. They won the national title many times. Oh, cool. So, I mean, it was just crazy. Like it's right there on, you know, right there in my, in my sphere, but I didn't tap into it. Yeah. How, how did you do then in high school? You know, I was, I was okay. I wasn't great. And I was small. I have to tell you, man, I was a uh, 105 pounds as a freshman. Okay. When I graduated, I would have wrestled 155. Okay. So I was, you know, I was you know, learning and it was, I was, had no strength in the beginning. I was a little, just a little runt, really. Um, <laughs> and so that's part of why I also got into bodybuilding because I didn't want to be small. I didn't want to be, you know, scrawny. I, so it was one of those little Charles Atlas things where I'm like, I'm going to get big and strong. Nobody's going to mess with me. And, yeah. You know. And then I fell in love with the sport, so I fell in love with training and then walking out of there and just feeling like I'm in a state of bliss after I worked out. Yeah. Did did he ever tell you why you landed the role over the other guy? No, I didn't. I didn't get why. I just, um, he just walked up and he said, okay, you got the role. Well, you know what I have to say? John Peters did tell me, he says, um... He says, during this process, every time I looked over to you, you just glared at me and gritted your teeth and, you know, and he says, and I just knew 
that you were going to be the guy. So if there was anything that was the, the difference, that was uh, that's what he said anyway. So I have to take it. Yeah. Uh, no, you did a great job. I mean, you know, even now when I when I watch it, you know, you were you. I, I don't believe you smiled one time in the entire movie, and <laughs> and you you looked meaner than hell. You know, you certainly did did a great job in the in the role. Well, listen, when you're starved down 25 pounds in two and a half weeks, <laughs> you're not a happy man. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't take me much, but like uh, with, with anything, I have, um, I have this uh, thing that kicks in. If I'm in competition or if I'm just even training, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, the di- I'm a different version. I'm pretty laid back and I'm, I'm friendly and I like to joke around. Um, but when it comes to, to competition, it's it's like it, it flips a, you flip a switch. Yeah. It's like Mike, you know, Mike Krause says it's it's your better version, it's your tougher version, it's your your you know a little bit meaner, aggressive version steps onto the map. Yeah. When you're off the map, then it's it's like you're relaxed. Yeah. You don't have any issues. You know, you can chill. Yeah. Most of the nicest, most of the the best wrestlers I know are all super nice people off the mat. You know, they say Dave Schultz was a super nice guy, but. And he would rip your arms off when you got on the mat with him, you know, and then afterwards he'd, you know, be your friend again. Um, exactly. And that's what I love about the sport. Some of my best friends were people that I wrestled. And then, you know, especially if we had a close match, like my friend I was telling you about, Derek, um, first time we, we wrestled each other a couple of times and then we just became best friends and we became like inseparable. And that's part of what I love about, you know, the sport. Have you ever read the, the book Vision Quest? You know, I did. Um, and I noticed that, it, you know, the ending is different. Um, I don't know if you've read it, 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 it ends when he's like opening the door to go out to wrestle against shoot. That's, That's right. Where that, you know, the book ends. So okay. of course Hollywood, you know, they need to have like the, the Rocky finish. And so, you know, they kind of, uh, took it a little bit. They did a little bit of, you know, glamorization of it. And so that you have that, that moment, but, um, yeah, I remember that now because I, I did read the book, but it's been several years, and I, all I remembered was that it was different a little bit, and that, like, in the book, I think Shoot and Loudon knew each other, like, mm-hmm. loosely, I believe. It's been a long time. I, I'd like to read it again now that I'm, now that I'm talking to you. Um, yeah, no, it's been 30 years since I read it, at least. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> have a big, a strong recollection there either. Did- I, I do... You know, Terry Davis, the guy that wrote it, um, I still stay in contact with. Okay. Now I just call him up, check in on him, see how he's doing, um, thank him for writing the, you know, writing the, the story and, you know, creating this whole genre. And uh, um, he's writing a new book okay. um, called Swain's Son. So he's, you know, looking to have, he's had offers or people want to make a movie and he hasn't even finished it yet. So you know, I'm hoping that there'll be a Vision Quest 2 of some sort and or it could be something like um, Cobra Kai where they they did a series and they flipped this, you know, flipped it a bit, which that I think would be would play really well right now, too. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, you know, as, as you say that, I mean, I know it was a movie, but as a little kid watching it, I'm like, I wonder if shoot will still win state. I wonder if that'll mess with his head. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, if, if Loudon will win state or if he'll stay at 168. And there's like all these, you know, they're not even real questions. But as a kid, they're like unanswered for me. I'm like, I, you know, I wonder if they're in the same division. And, you know, because there's 4A, 5A, 6A. And all, I, don't, I don't know how it is in Washington. But so those are the things that I always wondered. That would be awesome. Do you think that you would be in the movie? 
You know, uh, uh, I'm would think that I would love to be a part of it on some level, whether I'm just being there as a consultant or just doing a cameo or, you know, it depends on where they pick it up. You know, if they do the Cobra Kai thing, you know, maybe there's a bigger role for me. If it, if it's just uh, a, a continuation, maybe I'll be the grandfather or the wrestling coach or somebody <laughs> that does a cameo in the movie. Yeah. Uh, do, did people after the movie and even now want to wrestle you when they know you're Brian Shute? <laughs> Of course, you know. Um, of course, they want to wrestle, shoot. Yeah, um, it's uh, you know that that is. I've heard two. I think the wrestlers either wanted to be shoot or they wanted to beat shoot. Yeah, uh, and I loved it because that's exactly what I was going for. I was like, man, I just want this character to be so dialed in, and he's just hardcore, and he's just focused on doing his thing, man, and being the best wrestler and taking care of business when it comes to the mat. You know. Did you have much interaction, or do you still know? Uh, I can't remember his name now; it's failing me. But uh, he played the character of Cooch, Loudon's best friend in the movie. Uh, Michael Schulfling. Yeah, that's right. He was in Sixteen Candles, and he—I uh, I think he like placed at Junior Nationals. Like he was—he was really good. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. So uh, it was—I had a kind of an interesting situation because I wasn't an actor. And I wasn't a wrestler uh, in that movie in regards to, like, I wasn't hanging out with the wrestlers because I was pulled off. You, you have what's called, like, the A-team, which is the people that have dialogue and that are main characters in the movie. So they all get, like, their own little um, trailers. Okay. Um, and But I wasn't really looked on by the actors as an actor. That Oh, here's a wrestler who's playing this role. So I never really kind of hung out with them. Um, and, uh, I never really hung out with the wrestler. So I was kind of isolated to some degree. Um, but I did, uh, you know, every, it, I've had interaction with, with Matthew Modine. I've run into him. Like we, we, uh, met at a, um, beat the streets event in New York city and times square and a place called Libby square in, in times square. And they created a, uh, foundation for them to wrestle on and they brought the Russian national wrestling team and they wrestled the American national wrestling team. So it was like 30 years after the movie. And then he and I got to sit like on the edge of the mat. That's the first time I had actually talked to him in 30 years. Oh, wow. Um, but it was really cool. Um, and, uh, um, it was just a, just an amazing event to be there in, in, you know, um, in New York, in Times Square, and to be seeing these incredible wrestlers, um, yeah. and to be a part of that, and to help raise money for that as well, because that's what we're there to do. So he's a pretty um, cool. He's also, a- just to let you know, uh, Michael Schofield, from what I understand, kind of went into retirement and went into uh, countryside out in Pennsylvania and okay. started working, doing woodworking. And I've heard through the grapevine that he's. You know, kind of working with the wrestling team oh, cool. um, as coaching, but the town really protects him because he doesn't want to be bothered by anything. Okay. Um, uh, really interesting segue and then connection was that I was living in Pacific Palisades with my, you know, I had a clinic there. And so I went over to the high school to just check in on the wrestling team. Well, the coach at the time, his name is Steve. I can't remember Steve's last name. Um, Actually, was Michael Schofield's roommate in college. Okay. So Michael Schofield was, uh, you know, on a wrestling team. Was that he? He, um, he had a scholarship, and because of what you said, I think he won a junior national championship of some sort. Um, so he knew how to wrestle, and so it was just really cool to see. It, it's a small, as you know, it's 
it's a brotherhood and it's a, it's a tight brotherhood. And it, like you said, yeah, you can be adversaries on the map, but you know, eventually as you get older, you really, you know, look at that as people that pushed you and that were in the battle. It's almost as you were in the battle together and sometimes against each other, but everybody kind of looks at each other as, you know, a fellow warrior, fellow, you know, wrestler, um, brotherhood. Yeah. Tight, tight group. Yeah, and nothing bonds people like cutting weight together. You know, like I had friends on my high school and college team that, I mean, some of the stuff we did was just ridiculous to to make weight, and nothing bonds people like that. I still have friends that I talk to, and the wrestling community's been great. Like, the people that I've reached out to to do this podcast, you know, a lot of them, um, they, they get right back to me, and they're like, sure, I'll do it. And it's cool now that there's not that competition. I can talk to people and and be like, yeah, I was scared of you, or, you know, whatever, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool. Do you have a, a best memory of making the movie? Um, you know, what was one of the coolest things was, um, has to be the, the, the final match, because they brought in over 1,500 extras, and, um, so when you shoot it, it feels kind of realistic, Okay. And you do two different scenes and you're trying to be very aggressive. So it felt really, it felt almost, you know, as if I was in a real match to some degree because the crowd was responding and, okay. um, you know, we got to do it under the lights and it was, we wrestled for 18, almost 18 hours for three days in a row. And then for eight hours, two more days to shoot that one, I don't know what it was, three minutes, four minutes, you know, final scene. Yeah. Um, final wrestling match. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. If there was an audience in the, uh, you know, I didn't know if, if you guys did the wrestling scenes and then they brought in the, the crowd, but they were all there for the whole thing, huh? They would be there the entire day and they would have to get up for each, you know, like, oh, cheer and, you know, scream. And they were there long days, man. And so they, and most of the people were donating those, uh, their money to charity that would be bust. They bust a bunch of people in from Coeur d'Alene, actually where I grew up in Coeur d'Alene. Okay. Uh, so I saw a lot of people that I recognized from school. Nice. Is it hard to, to fake a wrestling match like that? Because I thought the scenes in Vision Quest are great. Um, and I love the movie Foxcatcher, but I wasn't super impressed with the wrestling scenes in the movie, um, but Vision Quest was great. Um, did it looked very real? Was it difficult to to kind of fake a wrestling match? Well, um, it was very choreographed. I mean, we spent some real. Uh, I worked with was Cash Stone and another another uh, wrestler, uh, ex wrestler of his, and we choreographed the whole uh, final wrestling match. Okay. Um, then it depends on the two the two wrestlers and. There was a few times where I was trying to push Matthew up onto his feet. So it looked, you know, if you really look close, you'll see that I'm kind of doing that. So uh, I'm happy to say that for the most part, it looks like we're really wrestling. But there are times when I'm trying to help him to make it look even more realistic. Okay. Um, But it was, um, you know, when you get into it and you go, no, when you throw that head and arm out of bounds, that was, that, that was real, you know, and um, when we did, when I did the scene, the part where I do the body slam, I slam him on the mat. Yeah. The director says, Hey, do we want to get you a, you know, an, um, uh, somebody to fill in for you for this? And Matthew goes, no, no, I got this. And so <laughs> my friend over here on the side goes, make sure he feels it, Frank. <laughs> 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 and so, 
when I did it, I just made sure that I threw as hard as I could and um, had him flat on his back so he wouldn't injure himself. But you really feel it even then. And so when he got thrown, we did it in one take. And then they said cut, and he rolled over, and it actually had knocked the wind out of him. I bet. So it, it's, you know, it's pretty realistic. You yeah. Know, we try and be safe, but we also want, you know, you want, you want the wrestlers to go, that looks real to me. And yeah. so that slam was real. So be honest, would you pound Loudon in a real wrestling match? Oh, uh, <laughs> I think that if he got out of the first period, he'd be lucky. Because then I would just, <laughs> just, just make him cry to be pinned in the second period. I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, he did great, I have to say, as, as uh, you know, just learning. And he, he, he did a great job as, a, as, the, as the actor carrying that role. He had the intensity, he had the comedic factor, he had the love interest. It all worked. I yeah. have to say it was a great role for him, and I was happy to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, are you a big Are you a big fan now of wrestling? I mean, do you watch, pay attention as much as you can? Well, you know, it's hard because, uh, you know, um, I realized being on Facebook and, and I'm tapped into all these wrestling groups, there's wrestling going on all over the country. It's hard. There's just no way for me to keep track of everything. Yeah. And so I, I've run into a few people that I like, I see and I recognize and I, I make sure that I, you know, I support them on, on Facebook. Um, some people I end up meeting um, and some people I've just seen from afar and I just keep supporting them and encouraging them. And so I try to just be dialed in as much as I can um, but it's just such a huge, it's a huge sport to keep track of everything. Yeah. Yeah. We went to the NCAAs a few years ago, my brother and I, and it was, it was awesome being there, but I almost prefer watching it on TV because I couldn't, there was so much going on. You know, there's so many good matches going on that if you looked over here to watch one, you'd look back and it'd be nine to five and you're like, what the hell happened? How, you know, you wouldn't have any idea what happened. So, uh, um, what uh, changing gears a little bit? What's what's the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with on a on a personal level? And did wrestling having a wrestling background get you help get you through it? Mm. You know, it's uh, it's that part of me that has that drive that's going. So, just to give you an idea, where did you know where did Brian Shute come from? I kind of look back at my childhood. Okay, and. I look back to see that I had this certain kind of drive that was beyond anybody else in my family. Because when we, this is an example, we would, we went to ski. I was in third or fourth grade. We were learning how to ski and, um, you know, you couldn't get me off the hill. It would be like, I, I would strap on, I'd be there the first, you know, the, as soon as they opened the, the lift, I'd be up and I would ski all day and I would not take time to even come in, um, you know, at, and get something to eat and drink. My mother would bring sandwiches to me while I'm standing in line, you know, and like my brother and my sister, they would go in the lodge and hang out and drink cocoa. And, and I just had this drive. I don't know where it came from, but it was just insane because I would not miss. And then I would be the last one on the last, you know, lift going up and I would come down and I would just be so, um, <laughs> I would be in so much pain because my legs were just exhausted and just, just crying out to me. And I would, on some of the drives home, I'd be crying because my legs hurt so much, but I just wouldn't stop. Yeah. Just, <laughs> this is the kind of mentality I had. So, 
you know, is it, I've applied it to bodybuilding, I've applied it to uh, wrestling at this in martial arts, um, and it just it seems to be in my DNA. I have to be careful because I can be an, I get addicted to something, and I have to learn. I what I'm learning at this age is having some balance. You know, I'm trying to have an imbalance in my life where I do my work, but I do it intensely, and then I go do something I, and enjoy myself as well. And so I'm, I'm really trying to learn that balance um, process in, at this age. So it's helped me just about in everything that I've uh, been challenged with. I mean, that's all you can say is like, as you know, Gable says, like once you wrestle, everything else in life is easy. Yeah. And you know, there's some big truth to that because you learn – how to just bear down and, and get through it and get through it and tough it out. And wrestlers are some of the, you know, I think some of the, it's, it's, it's one of the toughest sports I've ever done. And I participated in, you know, um, basketball, football, baseball, um, and, uh, uh, martial arts. And above all wrestling is the most challenging physically, mentally, emotionally, um, it asks more of you, demands more of you um, than any other sport as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And you're a black belt in, in something. What, what? I forget what it is. It's a black belt in Aikido. Okay. Um, yeah. I, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful martial art. I, was, I grew up with judo. My dad was a black belt in judo, and he taught a class. And so all of us learned in, like, third and fourth grade how to throw and how to land, how to be thrown, how to roll, you know, how to do some wrestling ground, you know, techniques. So I had some background. Uh, and then I went into karate and martial arts. I was really into martial arts. And and that's probably my kind of tie into uh, oriental medicine because then I, you know, eventually got a master's degree in oriental medicine. Um, awesome. I just look at it as the other flip side because in, in the days of, um, you know, Bushidos and, and uh, Ronins and, and um, you know, warriors uh, in Japan, they had to learn both sides. They had to learn the martial arts side, but they also had to know how to heal from being injured or bones breaking and bruises and, and things of that nature. So it, it's part of their treatment or the protocol to learn both sides of that, how to injure and then how to heal. Yeah. So... What, what do you do now to stay... You look like you're still in great shape. What do you What do you do specifically? Well, I, I play tennis. I don't know. Uh, I picked up tennis about uh, almost 10 years ago um, and started playing uh, just a couple of days a week. And then I got to the point where I was playing four or five days a week and I was playing tournaments. And I did that for a period of time. Now I just play it on a regular basis. But I, I have weights, uh, dumbbells, and I do what's called a circuit training. So I just go from one exercise to the next, the next, the next, the next. Uh, no rest between. I do about between ten and fifteen reps, um, and so I'll be I'll go through that like two to three times with some light, fairly light weights. Because at this age, I'm just trying to maintain. You just you know I, I'm 61. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to maintain, but I also uh, want to have a little bit of a little bit of juice when I go out and do appearances because you know I hate to show up and here's here's fat shoot like wow shoot what happened to you and you know, i get that I'm like no i don't want to do that so i have motivation so like i have a little bit of motivation like oh i got to stay in shape um because i want to promote you know healthy eating living lifestyle you know training all of that yeah well that's really cool no you look great man i hope uh, when i'm 61 you know I, I look half as good as you do right now so that's awesome um <laughs> 
So is that like you're taking good care of yourself? And if you're anywhere close to that, that, that's the key. You just want to just be, you know, you, you, most people think that it's this, like you got to work out really hard. No, you just got to be consistent. Yeah. You know, and they're finding that like this window around 70%, you know, you don't need to like max out every time. Like this is the thing I have problems with CrossFit and, you know, the CrossFit has this incredible, um, following yeah but they push really hard they lose a lot of times trying to hit personal records they lose their form and when they lose their form they have a high potential of injury and so i say if you're going to do that i want you to retain your form as soon as you lose your form then go on to the next you know exercise but stay focused stay have good form Protect your body, man. It's, it's like, so what? You hit a PR. You tear your shoulder up. Now you're out of business for like six to eight weeks, and it may never be the same. Yeah. Yeah, I try to exercise quite a bit, but now I, you know, like I was, I've done P90X a couple times, and there's a, um, gosh, I forget the the second workout, but it's plyometrics, and it's, yeah. it's really difficult. And the last time I did it, uh, my knee, every time I would go to do one of those squats, it would, there was this twinge, and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, you don't have to keep sucking it up and doing it. If this is hurting you, don't do it, you know. But that that wrestler mentality is like, oh, you're being a wuss, you know. (laughs) But you have to at some point realize, like, it's like you said, it's better to be able to continue to do it than it is to push yourself to the point of of getting hurt. Um, Because I I turn, I'll be 46 in May, which will be here before I know it. And, you know, time goes so fast. And it seems like people don't, when they don't take care of themselves, they're like, oh, I'm getting old. I'm like, well, you're getting older, but you're not really taking care of yourself either. Like, when's the last time you tried to touch your toes? <laughs> you know, um, all that kind of thing. What is it that your business is specifically? What do you and your, because you and your wife work together, correct? Yeah, I was an acupuncturist, um, and I do uh, clinical uh, clinical nutrition. And so I've got actually can do that at a long distance as well. So I have a program. If people want to get that specific support, then I send them forms. They fill it out. I do an intake. I talk to them about everything that they're eating. I talk to them about diet and lifestyle, you know, so that's exercise and movement as well. And just, just the way they're thinking and what they're doing, but nutrients can really make a big difference. And if, if their reflexes, which I do check in on their reflexes of their body and those are nutritional reflexes. And if they need, if they're missing something man, just adding a few uh, nutrients can make a big difference. And it's not just hitting the right nutrient, but it's hitting the right therapeutic dose. Um, and it's called the hormetic effect because everything has like, if it's a microdose, it has this impact. And as you get on the scale higher and higher, you get a, a therapeutic uh, dose and then after that, if you're still taking uh, more products, doesn't mean it's better. It means that now your body's struggling, and now it becomes toxic if you're taking too much. Okay, that's with everything. I don't care what you put in your body, even if it's water. There's a there's a therapeutic dose. There's somebody that died by trying to guzzle a gallon or two gallons of water a short amount of time, and it killed them. Wow. So everything has a therapeutic dose. Everything has a hormetic effect. And so my goal is to work with, with patients and athletes. I'm working with a NCAA champion right now, just dialing in his nutrition and just being really specific for him. Cool. Because we're all different. We're just as different outside as we are inside. So you need to be specific with their nutrition. You're going to take maybe more amino acids than maybe somebody else, depending on how hard you're working and what your metabolism is doing. 
Okay. So I, I really kind of detail it um, for each person. Okay. Can you tell us who that NCAA champion is? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I try and keep my, uh, my patients anonymous. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it as that. Uh, okay. Let's, let's just say, yeah, I'm just going to keep it as that for now. Can, uh, can you at least tell us if they're still wrestling or are they a former NCAA champion? No, they're, uh, they're looking to hopefully have a season this year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wrestling, he's wrestling for records. Okay. Yeah. That's and that it. Down a lot. Yeah, I, well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about then. I won't say his name, but uh, I will right. say that I love the guy. Um, yep. big, big fan of watching him. Um, and, and this is another question you don't have to answer, but do you have an opinion about all this COVID business that's going on? Is it with a medical background? What do you, what do okay, you think? So it's a big, it's a, it's a, uh, man, where do you want to enter in? So, um, my podcasts were supposed to be, I do a nutritional podcast every Friday. Um, it's produced by Competitive Edge. I signed with this company. Um, just so you know, I just, uh, they just dropped a whole, you know, shoot collection. So you can go to compedge.us forward slash shoot, and you can pick up my whole collection that they created there at Comp Edge. So what they did is they uh, produce a, nutritional podcast that I do once a week and it's about five minutes, three to five minutes long. Okay. And my, you know, my focus was like, Hey, let's bring, you know, quality nutrition awareness to the wrestlers. You know, we didn't get it when we, when we were younger, but now, you know, we have this big reach now. You can reach all the way across the country through Facebook and all these social medias and Instagram and things like that. So we have this opportunity to reach out and touch as many wrestlers, get them on the right track, hopefully, Give them some new ideas and, and to what is the healthiest way to eat. Um, so, okay, that is where I was headed to just like optimize your nutrition for performance. Okay. Well, because of COVID, um, I, I spent most of the time saying these are the foods you need to avoid. They're pro-inflammatory. They're junk foods. They're white foods. They're, you know, over-processed foods. You're going to do that anyway to lose weight. But you do it so it doesn't cause inflammation in your body because that's the key issue with this is it has this, um, you know, this storm that is inflammation that happens, the cytokine storm, as they call it. So you want to take all those foods out. Okay. And you want to bring in the foods that support the body and fortify the immune system, high in antioxidants like blueberry, raspberries, blackberries, green teas, and kiwi, and, and you know, um, asparagus has super high amounts of glutathione and a broccolini, broccolini and actually broccoli sprouts have sulforaphane, which is this really cool nutrient that really extends longevity. It's one of the best ones for that. So we talked about all those foods to include, and I gave an actual specific uh, podcast about here's the nutrients that you can basically, these are the foundation of what you can add that will fortify your immune system. So if you do get it, you, you might not get it, or if you do get it, it's going to be a short uh, response and turnaround. Okay. Um, so I've gone through that. Um, it's complicated. They don't know enough. Uh, they don't know everything about this. Yeah. The vaccine is, isn't is something that's going to take it away completely. As far as I understand it, it will reduce your side effects. Okay. So it's, it isn't a complete answer. But I also still recommend that you follow social distancing, that you wash your hands frequently, and wear a mask. 
I mean, this is, I hated that it was politicized. It's, it's destroyed this ability to work as a team across the country so we can get through this. China, I have a friend that lives in, and works in Shanghai. He's a guy that I went through Aikido together. We got our black belt test together. Now he's in Shanghai working for a company there. And he says, Frank, we're back to normal here. I go, really? Because they don't have a vaccine. Yeah. They just did what we talked about. They did the social distancing. They wore their masks. Everybody was checked in and out of every business with a temperature. Everybody had a, a contact tracing app. So in case somebody got sick, then they knew everybody that was exposed. So they okay. shut that down. They were back to that. If we had that kind of commitment, we might not be where we're at right now. Yeah. And if going forward, if we can just slow this process, because we're in a, this is like an escalation. It's three times what it was months ago. Um, it can make a big difference as well, how we come out of this. And as wrestlers, man, if you're not following those uh, you know, guidelines, you're just being stupid. You're, you're hurting the sport. I don't care, you know, where you're from, what you know, background you are. You're hurting the sport if you're not following those rules and regulations. We don't want to be the reason that wrestling clinics and, and tournaments get shut down. You know, yeah. it's got to be something outside of us. Right. So we want to be, you know, proactive in that in that regard. Okay. I like what you said about nutrition and all that stuff. I, I wish I would have known that when I was wrestling. You know, I mean, I guess I knew, but when you're young, you're – you're kind of dumb about some things. You know, we would make weight and then go to McDonald's or, you know, drink soda and all that kind of crap. And, and it's just, you know, my wife and I try to eat really healthy and we're going to try to pass that on to the boy so he doesn't uh, go through those things. You know, I think I stunted my growth. My I think when I was 15 is when I really cut weight hard. And I was supposed to be tall and I quit growing in like seventh grade. And I think I think that's probably why because I started cutting weight and all that so early. Uh, I also read something on your website about your wife is uh, she was talking about uh, you. You were talking rather about your wife and how she helps people overcome their fears. Um, What in a nutshell is the best advice you would give someone trying to overcome their fears, whether it's public speaking or going for what they actually want or anything like that? Well, you first have to identify it. You have to realize that there is a challenge there. And then you have to find out steps to overcome that. Like for me, um, public speaking, as well as it is for many people, is a is a you know a real challenge. Um, and so I've taken on little roles and different things, and and done little videos to just kind of like build that ability up, so that um, I'm continuing to work on this. And the podcast has given me that platform to even be. Um, even be challenged more to put myself out there and to really, um, you know, push the next level of, of like, you know, sharing and being on camera and feeling comfortable. So, you know, fears not faced are going to become a, an issue. And so wherever you see that your fears are blocking you from a, a being able to attract or acquire or to be able to hit or get to the level you want, then you need to find out the what you need to do to overcome those and take small steps and be consistent. Um, you know, things that, that you might not even realize that were passed on to you by your parents. Yeah. So when I do my deeper healing work with my patients on the table, we start talking about what is your belief structure? Where did you get that? Where did you get that understanding about sex or money or business or uh, deservability? And most of the time, it was modeled for our parents 
and or friends and family and that we just kind of took that on as our own belief structure and we just have to really be clear like that's not what i really want to that's not how i really want to function in this life i want to believe that that things come to me easily and effortlessly and that i flow through life and i acquire everything that i absolutely need and i'm grateful for everything that i have you know i'll start with that mantra and then see wherever those belief structures hit up against that yeah where you're blocked yeah and you just have to you just have to just be consistent with it yeah, being grateful is a huge thing. Like, you know, I, I do comedy for a living and, and uh, you know, I've been, I've, you're the 26th wrestling podcast that I've done and I always get a little bit nervous before I do them. And, and what takes away the nerves is I just tell myself how grateful I am. You know, like I've known you since I was seven years old and, you know, it, it, it was a little nerve wracking this morning. I'm like, I'm going to talk to freaking Brian Shute, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I just had to tell myself like, how cool that is you know it's nothing to be like nervous about he's he's just a person and you're gonna talk to him and find out some cool things about the movie and and so being grateful is uh is is huge in my life and the older i get the the more i realize it 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 takes away a lot of those a lot of those burdens um i won't keep you on here attitude of gratitude brother absolutely absolutely um i won't keep you on here all day but is there anything else you would like to say or or uh um pimp for lack of a better word like <laughs> any- well, okay so besides uh besides the, the the comp edge collection which is at you know comp edge.us forward slash shoot i also have a uh, a website that says shoot shirts.com that's s-h-u-t-e shirts with an s.com okay and there i have these these uh retro shirts nice um, yeah, so this was what we developed in order to help, um, you know, have something to sell at these events where we were promoting and then donate. I donate a lot of my money to different wrestling programs. I've been really working to support the, uh, Arizona, you know, Navajo wrestling town, ta- um, wrestling team there in, in window, window, I think it's window rock. Okay. Um, Arizona. Um, I met a gentleman there who, uh, Wrestling coach Mark Hillis has been there working, trying to raise, you know, raise their awareness and get these kids, you know, some self uh, discipline and and really try and you know give them something to fight for and, and something to, you know to be proud of. Cool. And it's unfortunate to see in a lot of places and a lot of wrestling communities where they're struggling to put shoes on these kids or these kids don't have enough for socks, and so I'll send bundles of socks off to them. Um, so uh, whatever they can do to, you know, if they see anything on the site, please buy that, you know, that extra money will be sent off to different wrestling um, organizations. I do uh, send shirts and, and uh, singlets out that I sign so they can auction it off. So I do that as well. Um, and I do appearances. So just know that I'm available and not right now. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just, just not smart to travel right now. Let's face it. Um, and, yeah. So I, I want to wait till after the first uh, to really kind of think about doing any kind of appearances. Yeah, um, but I'll support I'll support whatever program I can from afar. Cool, man. Well, I can't tell you how cool it's been on been to have you on here. I'm going to order one of those shirts because I love them. I saw them last night on your website, and uh, I think they're great. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to do this because, like I said, there's no wrestling fan who doesn't know this movie and all my friends from from high school. I did want to ask you real quick if you'd say hi to my friend Richie Soto because he's the one who was like, you need to get shoot on. And I was like, that's a great idea. 
So hey, hey Richie, how you doing? Thanks. Hey, thanks for reaching out, telling him, telling, uh, telling your buddy here to get me on. Um, I'll be looking for you on the on Facebook. I don't know where um, is he. If, tell him to hit me up. Make sure he PMs me so that I know he's we're connected. So. Okay, I will. He'll get a huge kick out of that. And there's also one other guy who. Uh, I don't really know him, to be honest with you, but he messaged me through Facebook, and he asked me if, if I would uh, ask Shoot to give a shout-out to his son, uh, Tage Scotchney, who just went 12-0 and at Santa Fe Trail Middle School. He wants to be a state champion someday, and uh, so I was like, sure, I'll ask him. He seems like a great guy. So, Tage, man, well, 12-0, and 0, man, you're on a roll. Keep it going. It, it's, you know, it's just continue to grind. You know, you just got to continue to grind, show up, do your thing. Everything will take care of itself. But congratulations on the 12 and all. That's brilliant. Cool, man. That, that That's really cool of you to take the time to do that. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy your new home and, and give your wife my best and uh, and tell her very sorry about her loss. And, and God bless all of you. Yeah, man. Um, I appreciate it. It's uh, uh, I just lost my mom about two days ago. So oh, wow. I just went in. Yeah, my mother was in the hospice and she just passed away. Man, um, so we, you know, this. I looked at it as a transition. I love her. I love her that uh, that she was able to to be in home, and my sister was there uh, when she when she transitioned. And yeah, listen, you got to, you just have to make the most of every moment. Be, you know, what what COVID has done for all of us is it's kind of done a giant reset. Like, okay, so what's really important? You know, it's friends and family. You know, it's, it's, you know, the people that are close to you, the people that you rely on, people that support you. Um, those are the ones you want to just continue to acknowledge and stay in touch with and, and don't let slip away. Keep, keep those friendships, uh, keep those friendships going. Um, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your family. That's it. Yeah. I, I love that you say she transitioned because I don't, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is it for us personally. No, I come. I come from an understanding that I just think that it's just it's we're transitioning. We're just like walking from one door to another, and you know, I put on this earth suit and I'm here for a period of time, and I come here to learn my lessons, and I hope that I make it a better place than than when I came in. I mean, that's that's all I can ask is like, did I impact? Did I support? Did I was I kind? Was I um, you know? Did I you know? create more positivity while I've been on the planet. And if we can, if we're all doing that, I think that then, then we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool that, you know, you know, in the movie, uh, Loudon Swain wants to be a doctor in outer space and he's the one cutting all this weight and, and then come to find out, getting talked to you 30 years later, you're the one with a medical background. You're the one who had to cut the weight and you seem like a pretty deep thinker. Like in the movie, you know, shoots just this monster that everyone's scared of. Like, you know, it's it's almost crazy that he even speaks. You know, um, like I, the, my probably my favorite line in the movie. It gives me chills every time. Is when you're holding the log, and uh, and you go, "I hope so too." I yeah. just just saying it, I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> and brilliant scene. I love that scene. They couldn't have done it any better, as far as I'm concerned. Set that up because yeah. they just did this huge build up. Yeah, and then it, you got to see this scene. Yeah, and you just, you just shake your head like, oh, geez, and they just they just walk away shaking their heads, you know. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember when he goes, "Hey, shoot!" and Cooch goes, "Careful, Loudon." Yeah. <laughs>
Well, you know, and, and so listen, that's like, it's, uh, it's something for me that, that will continue to live in, you know, in my psyche for the rest of my life. And what is interesting is I've had so many people say like, yeah, I, I looked at you and, and thought about that log and, and thought about all the things that I have to take care of, everything that I carry. And that was the metaphor for me. It's just like, yeah, I have these things that I have to, you know, work through and carry and push, you know, with me. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Somebody's, you know, looking at that and taking it. And the other thing that has, that has come through loud and clear is that, that Vision Quest has helped um, athletes and soldiers, men that have been in the military, get through some really hard times. And when I hear stuff like that, that Vision Quest has uh, got them through Citadel or some, you know, Af- and they were in Afghanistan or they were in Iraq. And it really made a difference. It's like, wow, I, I couldn't have. It couldn't have uh, wished for anything better than that. Yeah. So. Well, that's really cool, man. And and this is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do in my whole life is uh, is get to talk to all these wrestlers. But you know, especially now to get to talk to you is uh, you know one of the coolest things ever. I can't wait to show it to my son someday when he's old enough to understand and be like, "Do you remember that movie we watched? This is the guy." You know. <laughs> so. So I'll let you go, but uh, God bless you, and thank you so much for doing this, and, and I can't thank you enough, buddy. All right, brother. All right, Stay man. in touch. I All will. Right. I will. Take care. Take care, man. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Brian Shute, Frank Jasper, super cool dude. Uh, make sure you check out the uh, the link he gave you about going to his site. Uh, go to shootshirts.com and get one of those shirts. It supports um, wrestling and supports his family, and, and uh, it's a great deal, and I can't wait to check out some of his podcasts about nutrition and all that stuff because the older I get, the the uh, more that I <clears throat> want to uh, take better care of myself from me and my boy and all that. And go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon. I will be, I just did Vegas, but I will be in Kansas City at the Comedy Club of Kansas City, January 7th through 9th. There'll be four shows. Uh, Make sure you go to the website and check that out. And that's about it. God bless all of you. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Bye. Do us both a favor and click on that subscribe button.